This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big line? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. We are confronted with so many crises simultaneously. They fear you. They understand you're not defeatable. We're going to get to a point where you're going to have human 2.0, what the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset's about. They're all godless. They all want to live forever. They want to be immortal. This is what we have to stop. And this is coming from Christ himself. He said there's only one unforgivable sin to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Do you think that taking that biology and saying it's programmable and I can create man 2.0, it's gone off the rails. And the only way we pull it back is you in your innermost voice. Ask yourself, why did divine providence put me here and now in this place? Because you're going to be judged for that. You're going to be weighed and measured for that. And every generation coming down the road is going to look back at this time and say, who stood up and who fought and who rolled over? This is not only about making America great again. This is about making man great again. Are you prepared to have them in some lab that you're paying for, in some weapons lab, to have them do a man-machine merger? Are you prepared to have edited human beings? Are you prepared to let these vaxxed go and have enhanced human beings? Are you prepared to accept that? This is an army of the awakened, and you're the cadre. You're the tip of the spear. You need to put your whole being into this fight, everything. You've got to leave it all on the battlefield. Patriots, the global elites, they're gathering in Davos, Switzerland to toast each other. But the globalist system that they create, it's been a miserable failure for everyday citizens all over the world. Let's look at the numbers in a chalk talk. Communications giant Edelman does a worldwide survey every year since the year 2000. And they ask a simple question. Are you going to be better off in five years than you are today. Sadly, in the United States, only 36% of Americans say yes. That is the lowest in the history of the survey. But the U.S. is hardly alone. In fact, of the 28 countries surveyed, 24 of them hit new lows for this century on this key topic of economic optimism. Now, this pessimism, unfortunately, is well-placed. If we look at an Oxfam study that was just released, all of the wealth created in the world since the lockdown, since the year 2020, Two-thirds of it has gone to the top 1%. This concentration of economic and political power is a key pillar of the globalists, and it's why the future is all about patriotic populism. 
Well, I think I was fascinating listening to you talk. I think it's not yet really big on people's radar screen here at Davos. It's not top of mind yet, but there are definitely people beginning to ask, what are these crazies going to do in the U.S. House? And do we need to take it seriously this time? Because people have been here before, right? We've seen this play out in the United States. And in the end, you know, reason prevails. And I think there's a kind of assumption that that will happen. But as things play on, and, and if this becomes the drama you've been describing, it is going to be a real worry because it is, however small you think the risk is, the consequences could be so cataclysmic, it will shoot up the agenda. But right now, it's not top of mind here. So, Zandi, let's talk about what is top of mind at Davos right now. We're hearing the term inflation. <laughs> we're hearing the term recession. Uh, what are the concerns there? Uh, slow growth is another term that we're hearing about. What is the topic of discussion there primarily at Davos? Actually, all of the above. So inflation, recession, and I'd add Ukraine. They're, of course, the, the sort of three immediate topics. But there's two things that have really struck me while I've been here. One is the charm offensive that the Chinese government has beginning to start. Vice Premier Liu He is here. He gave a speech this morning. He talked about how keen China was on in international cooperation. He mentioned it several times. There is very clearly a big push by the Chinese government. And there's a lot of talk here about what happens after the terrible wave of COVID deaths pass and China's opening means its economy bounces back. Does okay. that mean, you know, that's a boom all, in China? That's just Does all it mean- mindless. That's just a word salad. Mindless. That's the mindless, you know, the MSNBC, CNNs of the world, just mindlessly repeating the same ridiculous, not even talking points, just throwing out word salad. Um, the uh, the defeat of globalization. I remember this audience did it. Uh, now Ferguson uh, the historian is is there, and and he talks about I'll get Cortez up here in a minute. He talks about um, the um, that globalization is just taking a break. Uh, that's actually not true. Globalization, we're in the process of defeating globalization. The Economist, the destructive logic that threatens globalization, they're completely panicked about this in uh, Davos, uh, and now they're pivoting to climate change and to artificial intelligence, which underpins everything as their new control mechanism. You don't see them. The, the key thing is what they're not talking about. They're not talking about Build Back. They're not taking a victory lap on Build Back Better or Great Reset. The Great Reset they're talking about is the 300 trillion in debt. Let's go to Nor Bin Laden. A lot of victories in um, in in Davos for us, uh, but also you got to keep punching every day because these people are – are demonic. Uh, the one thing, there's a big story. If we can get that up, if Denver has it, uh, as I bring up Nor, the, Nor, there's a big story in Daily Mail about, um, they say prostitutes are, uh, I guess called prostitutes are all over, um, are all over Davos. It's one of their biggest, you know, weekends of the year, I guess, in Europe. And I, I, I put up there, the prostitutes are the attendees. The the, uh, the men and women that are there for sex work are just simply sex workers. The prostitutes are Davos man. Uh, Nor Bin Laden, can you give us an update on really the first opening kickoff day for it? I couldn't have put it better, uh, Steve, than what you just said. The prostitutes are very much everybody who is behind me uh, in that Congress hall uh, having all these discussions and these panels. Uh, the kickoff really started this morning with the opening remarks between Klaus Schwab and the president of the Swiss Confederation, Alain Berset, and they just laid out the whole agenda for the week. Uh, so I'll start with that, and then I'll just highlight a few of the panel discussions that have taken place already. 
and uh, that are going to uh, continue throughout the day here uh, on uh, Tuesday, the second day here at Davos. So it's always the same framework. They talk about these crises, they talk about these challenges, these unprecedented and multiple challenges to quote, to quote Klaus Schwab this morning. And again, they talk about the problems, then they talk about the solutions and they portray themselves as the saviors, as those who want to cooperate in order to uh, make the world a better place and for the benefit of humanity. It's the same playbook, it's the same PR trick, um, but in fact, we know that it's the exact opposite that they intend to implement with their globalist agenda. And so, again, we mentioned yesterday the theme of the conference, which is cooperation in a fragmented world. And so Klaus Schwab, to quote again from his opening remarks, talked about the fragmentation of powers and the need for cooperation. So we really are in this realm of the coordination of the different entities that make up the globalist architecture in order to move towards, as I mentioned yesterday on your show, the centralization of power. And Alain Berset further made this point when he said, uh, quote, the world needs strong multilateral platforms because the greatest present day challenges are transnational, climate change, pandemic, war, migration, proliferation. So as you said in your open, climate change very much uh, features heavily in the agenda for this week because we know that this is the Trojan horse that they are using in order to digitize our society, to implement social credit score systems with carbon rations. We can expect probably climate lockdowns in the future as well, uh, all in the guise of protecting the planet. So we had a preview of certain of the policies with the so-called pandemic. Um, they tested the lockdowns um, with that. They tested the digital IDs with that as well. Uh, they kind of prepared the public for a sort of um, how acceptance of the digitization of our society with the so-called pandemic. And now they're going full throttle with climate change in order to digitize all aspects of our lives. And remember, the underpinning this is all artificial intelligence. We're going to have Joe Allen and Mark Jeftovic on to talk about this very topic in the second hour. Uh, the concept, I want to get a, a word out there for the, uh, you know, a um, nomenclature. One of the things we do here is make sure the audience understands yes. nomenclature. The concept of polycrisis, the, the, the convergence and conflation of economic, social, climate, and geopolitical into a, into a massive global crisis. Is that also, uh, in all my reading and, and talking to people that are actually there, uh, this is a, a new watchword that Klaus Schwab and the uh, World Economic Forum team have come up with, ma'am? Yes, I was actually going to mention it because it just makes no sense. Can we just say crises? Why do they need to come up with polycrisis? <laughs> I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. But we come back to the point that I was making on the show yesterday afternoon is that they are very much aware of the nomenclature, as you mentioned, and the wording that they're using. And I'll say it again. I mentioned it yesterday, but it's very important for people to understand that this is one giant press conference. It's the controlled reveal of their plans. Yes. They're very happy for us to know about what's going on here. These decisions at the end of the, at the, end of the day excuse me, were made behind closed doors decades ago. 
And yes. again, I couldn't agree with you more. The people behind us here in this Congress are prostitutes. They're minions. They're mouthpieces. Klaus Schwab isn't the leader of uh, this globalist movement. He is the minion in chief heading one of their many international <laughs> organizations, namely the WEF. It's one of the yeah. many uh, entities and exactly. vehicles that they use to roll out the agenda. So, yeah, uh, very little respect he, for the people he's behind me. He's, he's, he, he, he's, he's the proverbial world's tallest midget. Um, yeah, how do and, people and follow just, you during the day, Steven, bring heavy back on? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Yes, ma'am. Just, Stephen, one thing I'd like to say is, you know, these people, they portray themselves and they're so drunk on their power. But in fact, they're, they're just like these little, like, again, minions that are clinging on to the little scraps of power that the real people making the decisions behind closed doors are willing to give them to just be the front of all this operation. Yes. Uh, how do people follow you during the day? We'll have you back on the evening show for your evening wrap-up. Uh, she's live from Davos, Nora Bin Laden, one of the smartest uh, political commentators and observers in the world, uh, lives in Geneva. Uh, Nora, how do people follow you during the day? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Getter at um, Nora Bin Laden. And Stephen, if I just may say one thing, there are so many things we can highlight this evening with regards to the panels, but there's one one in particular that we really need to look out for. And uh, your viewers can look at my last, my latest post on Getter uh, from the Deputy Prime Minister of Ukraine, Mikhail Fedorov, who put out last year a very PR, like slick video on Ukraine 2030. So we get back to that date of 2030. And basically they laid out the plan for the entire digitization of the country, of all their public services. And this is where part of American taxpayer uh, dollars are going towards. They want to make Ukraine as this kind of model for this new uh, digital um, nation or system where we're all hooked to grids. And so this uh, deputy prime minister, Mr. Fedorov, will be doing um, a press conference later today. So this very much ties into everything that we're trying to denounce. Perfect. Nor Ben Laden, look forward to having you on the evening show. Good luck today. I want everybody to, to follow her on Twitter and get her. She'll be posting all day. Thank you very much. You. Honored to have you on here. In fact, we got to talk to Charlie Kirk. She'll be on with Charlie Kirk and Basovic today on the, the Populist National Show that follows us. Okay. Um, we're going to take a short break. Steve Cortez is going to uh, join us. Remember, we first started doing um, Pandemic. We talked about an economic crisis driven by the drop in aggregate demand, also the supply chain uh, crisis by the supply chains all you know was shipped overseas. Was going that economic crisis would lead to a capital markets crisis, that then would lead to a geopolitical crisis. That is poly crisis. Now they're trying to bundle it up for control of you. Make sure we all understand this. Next in the war room. Will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden, more wasteful government spending, higher taxes, the deepening of inflation? And how do you protect your hard-earned savings from chaotic financial markets? The answer, by diversifying your retirement savings with real physical precious metals with Birch Gold Group. Text Bannon 
to 989898 for a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. Birch Gold has almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. Text Bannon to 989898 and claim your free, no-obligation info kit. Don't let the left devalue your savings. Own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bandit to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Take action. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay. Um, let's get right to, uh, to Cortez. Cortez, uh, Davos, Globalization, uh, great reset. Uh, look, they had their opportunity on the Build Back Better Great Reset. They leveraged up the world right. to three hundred trillion dollars. They now have a massive problem. The Great Reset they're talking about is the deleveraging of that. They concentrate the wealth. Thirty-six trillion dollars of wealth created. Two thirds go to the top one percent. Uh, right. But they're they are in their backyard. They're jammed right now, and they know this. Correct, uh, Mr. Steve Cortez. No, absolutely. Look, the globalists uh, have made a mess of the world, uh, and you're exactly right. They are on their heels. They are on the defensive uh, as they should be. So it is time for us to continue to press the case. And by the way, that's not just my opinion. That is the opinion of thousands and thousands of regular citizens the world over. I really encourage the audience to check out this new survey. I mentioned it there in the Chalk Talk. I also uh, link to it in my new article on my Substack, The Failure of Globalism, a global survey from Edelman. If you don't know Edelman, uh, folks out there in the audience, they are a global communications powerhouse. Edelman is very intertwined with the global elite ruling class. So believe me, I don't think the executives of Edelman are very happy with the results of their own survey. But thankfully, they've been doing this survey every single year worldwide since the year 2000. And one of the very uh, just primary questions they ask is, are you going to be better off in five years than you are today? And historically, strong majorities of people the world over believe that they're going to be better off in five years, particularly in the United States. Unfortunately, that number has crashed globally. Only 40% of the people in the world now believe they will be better off in five years. That's a low for the survey. For the United States, it's even lower than that. Only 36% of Americans. Again, a low for the survey going all the way back to the year 2000. Uh, but we are hardly alone. Unfortunately, of the 28 countries that were surveyed, half of them, Steve, saw a double-digit decline in just the last year on that basic question about are you going to be better off economically. I mean, think about that, a double-digit decline in just one year's time. That shows you what slow growth, or in many countries, no growth, combined with massive inflation, has done to the well-being uh, and to the optimism or lack thereof of regular citizens. So globalism is clearly failing. Uh, it has been wonderful for the connected crony elites, the people who are toasting each other um, at FET parties in Davos right now. But it has been miserable for regular working class people. The future is not globalism. Niall Ferguson, you mentioned him. Uh, he gave a speech over there in Davos, and he, he says that patriotic populism is a mirage. Uh, this is not a mirage. It is a movement. It is a movement that is already starting to dominate politics and is going to even further dominate politics in the coming months and years and decades Ahead. This is the proper uh, revolt, the proper political populist revolt against globalism and what it has done to the to the health, to the pocketbooks, and to the spirits of regular citizens. But but he says the quiet part out loud. I want to go to his speech. Now Ferguson's a very very smart guy, but he's yeah. one of the the maestros 
of globalism, right? The Ascent of Money, all of his books. Uh, he says a quiet part a lot. When he breaks down the history, he goes, you had a populist revolt from 2016, hmm, Trump, to 2019. But that the pandemic did away with that. The pandemic has broken that. They're now, and globalization's just in a hiatus. You're going to see it's just, it's hit a plateau. It's going right. to regroup. It's going to get strength and then come back. Why, why, why is the years 2016 to 2019 when he points out populist protectionism? Well, the year t- 2016 was the rise in, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, breakthrough of Trump as the head of this movement. 2019, right. Steve Cortez, uh, summarize, would the, would the people in the globe rather have the world of 2019 and Donald Trump in charge of the economy or January yeah. of 2023, sir? No, amen. Uh, 2019. And it, it's interesting. You're exactly right. Now, for example, who I think is generally a pretty sharp guy, has some interesting insights. Uh, in this case, I think he's blinded to reality, uh, largely because of his positions, I think, unfortunately, as a faculty member of Harvard and part of the Hoover Institution at Stanford. I don't think he understands really what working class people uh, are facing right now. But to, to answer your question, it, it's interesting that he disparages that period of 2019. 2019 was by many metrics the best year for workers in all of American history. Uh, we saw massive wage increases, 6.8 percent wage Wage growth overall with about 2% inflation. So you're talking about roughly 5% real wage gains. Contrast that to today, where we are suffering from 21 straight months of real wages, meaning incomes adjusted for inflation, crashing. The longest, worst streak in all of American history. And by the way, back in 2019, everyone was doing well, but the people who were doing the best were blue collar folks, were minorities, people who had not participated previously um, in the prosperity of America. They leapfrogged to the front of the income gains in 2019. Blue collar workers saw above 9% gains in the year 2019. And again, with minimal inflation. So the gains were real. They were impactful. They meant something to people's lives. They could afford things they couldn't afford before. Why did this happen? Well, part of it was tax and regulatory relief, which was important. But a bigger part, in my view, was was trade protectionism, was Donald Trump finally pivoting the United States to a place of strength. You know, at the, at the global poker table of trade, Steve, the United States has always acted like it holds a pair of eights, when in fact, we have a royal flush And what I mean by that is the entire world wants access to the U.S. consumer market, the biggest and richest and most powerful market in the world. We have given that away and we've not demanded reciprocity and fairness in trade. Donald Trump started to change that, unfortunately, rudely interrupted by the by the China virus, by the CCP virus. But it is time for us to once again resurrect protectionism. That's considered a bad word by a lot of folks in Republican circles and establishment circles. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be. We should protect the American people and we should protect American industries against predatory globalist trade practices that have been ruinous for American workers and American communities. And we proved in 2019, albeit for too short a period of time, but we proved that it works, that it's efficacious. We need to prove it again, starting, by the way, with this GOP House. That is part of the agenda. We don't have enough power in Washington, D.C., but we have power. We do have a significant lever with control of the House. We need to start fighting against this globalism. And I don't mean just to Davos, okay, because obviously there's just a lot of symbolism really going on there. I mean fighting against globalism in Dayton, in, in the United States, in the heartland of the U.S., demanding fairness in trade, reestablishing sovereignty over our border. The globalists don't want borders. The globalists are perfectly happy with the situation right now at the U.S. southern border because they don't believe in nationhood. Uh, they don't believe in nationalism and in populism. Uh, we believe in all of that. We need to reassert it. Thankfully, 
because of the failure of globalism, particularly economically, the political field is ripe uh, for us to make significant gains if we can stick to our agenda of patriotic populism. And again, that's not my view. If we, if you uh, look at this Edelman survey, which again, thousands and thousands of people surveyed all over the world annually since the year 2000, this, it, this survey is collapsing. It is a collapse in economic confidence right now. That was actually the word used by the Edelman CEO, not by Steve Cortez. Uh, and by the way, I'm sure they're not thrilled that their survey is giving plenty of ammunition to people like Steve Bannon and Steve Cortez. Uh, but that's the reality. Yeah. This is the reality of the world the globalists have created. Yep. No, this is why, by the way, it's very important when you said 219, now Ferguson's right, because remember, now Ferguson's clients are the biggest companies in the world, right? right? He's a smart guy, but he knows where he's getting his cash, right? That's why he's trashing the, what's he called, the populist protectionism. Oh, that's era's faded with the pandemic. And now, because it's when workers did the best and the global elites did the worst. Now you've had a complete flip of that, right? Because you've got right. you've got globalists like the Biden regime, all that. Talk to me. Uh, I got a couple of minutes here. I got a, we're going to have a very special guest on next a segment. And Steve, I hope to hold you to after that because I want your comments on it. But talk to me about sure. this poly crisis. The new thing they're pushing is poly crisis with with climate change as the lead and uh, AI as your as your as your god that's going to solve it all, sir. Right. Well, listen, I'm certainly not going to borrow their terms. Uh, but I will say this, they're, they're onto something in this regard. What we do have right now is economic recession the world over. The United States, I believe, already in recession. Most economists say it's about to tip into recession. Uh, you have Europe in recession and China in reality, not according to their official numbers, but in reality, tipping into recession. That has not happened yet. Since China's emergence as a global economic power, beginning with their admission into the World Trade Organization in 2001, which unfortunately was, was wildly pushed uh, with bipartisan fervor here in the United States. The Washington Uniparty was all in for Beijing getting into the World Trade Organization on terms that were incredibly beneficial and generous to the Chinese Communist Party. But since then, what we have not seen um, is, is a synchronized slowdown, a synchronized recession in the three major economic centers of the world, China, the U.S., and Europe. We are seeing that right now. So in some respect, uh, you know, the folks at Davos are onto something. They Look, they realize, I think, that their movement is in peril. I, you know, they're not dumb people. They're malevolent, yeah. but they're not dumb, right? Um, and I think they recognize that the tide is turning significantly against them all over the world. And again, I'm not focused on the global part of it. I'm focused yeah. on the American part of it. Um, and in yeah. the United States, St we know that the concentration of economic power has been disastrous for regular Never people in this country, and yeah. it's a consequence of globalism. Steve, hang on for a second. By the way, Cortez is going to hang with us. We got a very special announcement happened on Fox and Friends this morning. We're going to turn that out here momentarily. But when we get Cortez back after the next block, Janet Yellen, the debt ceiling comes due on uh, on uh, Thursday. She's traipsing around Africa. Hmm. Curious minds want to know all about it. We got a very special announcement that happened this morning. Yes, it was Congressman uh, Jim Banks has announced that he's running for the United States Senate in Indiana. Let's go ahead and play the uh, – let's go ahead. Am I a little early on that? I got I got to hit my marks. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and hit it. We'll play a little music. Here we go. Jim Banks this morning. Congressman, you are Congressman Jim Banks, but you feel as though you want a career change. Mike Braun's going to run for governor of Indiana. What has that prompted you to say to say today? Well, Brian, it's not about me. It's about the great state of Indiana. And I've, I've had the incredible opportunity to serve in the House of Representatives for Northeast Indiana the past six years. But 
Uh, my, my senator, Mike Braun, is running for governor. It opens up the Senate seat. And today, uh, here on Fox and Friends, I'm announcing that I'm running for the United States Senate. Indiana is a conservative state, and Indiana deserves a con- conservative fighter in Washington, D.C., in the United States Senate. I've been that fighter in the House on issues like holding China accountable, fighting to keep girls' sports for girls. I have three young daughters. This uh, matters deeply to me. Uh, fighting for fiscal responsibility and balanced budgets. I've been one of the most fiscally conservative members of the House. It's that type of attitude and that type of fighting spirit that we need a need in the Senate to shake it up. And that's why I'm announcing I'm running for the Senate today. Friends, you have to be blind not to see what's going on around the world. We're facing worldwide chaos on a whole new level, and it could all hit home really quickly in the form of food shortages, not to mention sky high prices for basic groceries. That's why so many people are stocking up on emergency food right now. This food stays fresh in long-term storage, so it's ready when you need it. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company, and right now they're knocking 200 bucks off their three-month emergency food kit. That's $200. Just go to preparewithbannon.com. That's preparewithbannon.com to get this kit. Your kit comes packed with delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. Enough to feed one person for three solid months. Be sure to get one kit per person in your family so you don't run out. You'll save $200 per kit by going to preparewithbannon.com, preparewithbannon.com. My Patriot Supply wants to make it affordable for you to protect your family. So don't delay. You get free shipping also. Go to preparewithbannon.com, preparewithbannon.com. Take action. Do it today. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we are very honored to have Congressman Jim Banks. Big announcement this morning. Congressman Banks has announced he's running for the United States Senate uh, from Indiana. Congressman Banks, um, first off, given that you're such an important player in where we're heading after the big fight we had uh, a couple weeks ago about the direction of this Congress, uh, why would you determine now that the House is not – because you're one of the smartest people about the Chinese Communist Party, about the administrative state, so many things that are at the top, <laughs> at the top of the pile in the inbox for this Congress. You're, you're, a, you know, you're in the vanguard of that. You've done such an amazing job with the Republican Study Committee. Why, why now would you pivot to run for the Senate, sir? Well, thank you, Steve. Good to be with you. I, not, not a decision that my wife and I – take lightly. Uh, When Mike Braun, our current senator, who, by the way, has been a reliable conservative, has fought the fight for the America First cause in the Senate in his term, uh, announced that he's running for governor. It opened up an open Senate seat in Indiana. We spent the last couple of months praying about it, thinking about it, talking to our friends about it. I just believe the United States Senate needs a shakeup, and Indiana deserves a conservative fighter fighting for them in the United States Senate. I've been doing that, as you said, in the House. And the House is a, is a much better place today than it was when I first got there six years ago. Under Republican leadership, the last time we had the majority failed to live up to their promises. This Republican majority currently, I believe, is going to do what we said we were going to do and address the issues that matter. I just think we need that kind of leadership in the Senate. I've seen over and over again Republican senators go along to get along with the radical left and the Democrats and not enough fight. And I want to take the fight to the United States Senate. That's why today I announced that I'm running for 
the Senate to be the next senator from Indiana. Well, look, that, that's the thing. You, you, you are one of the fighters, and the House is kind of structured to have more fighters in it. it, it, is, it is it a structural problem in the Senate? I, and we have seen a number of people that we admire that have been fighters, and once they get to the Senate, they seem to get captured by some invisible ray, and they become relatively passive. Look, this this whole thing, you know, we're in this debt ceiling fight. You're all over this. And one of the reasons we're here is that you had, and I call them the collaborationists. If you look at the uh, at every big thing that Biden got passed uh, in the last uh, in the last couple of years, it's because of these folks in the Senate uh, that went along with it. Uh, is, is is are you comfortable? That's the proper place for for your skill set. Well, there are some fighters in the Senate who I'm looking forward to joining, like Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz. Um, that's why I'm inspired to go there, because I see a lot of activity there. J.D. Vance uh, is going to be one of the most exciting senators in the United States Senate. So one thing I learned, Steve, I got elected to Congress in 2016, the same cycle Donald Trump got elected to president. And I thought, I naively thought I could go to Washington work with the other side to get things done, count on Republican leadership to do what they said they were going to do. I thought the media would give me a fair shot. I was very naive. And for four years, I saw how, how the radical left operated, how they tried to block Republicans, block the America First agenda that the American people elected Donald Trump to fight for. I thought I, I, thought I could go there and would see something different, but I saw how the radical left operate. And I, I learned a lot of valuable lessons from that. And it's that type of it's that type of attitude, that type of shakeup that we need in the United States Senate. All of what you talked about, the, the, the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill, which wasn't just about spending. It was about spending on left-wing uh, socialist causes. And uh, it passes the Senate when, when Republicans could have blocked it. Almost everything that, every piece of the Biden agenda that's been passed over the last two years that has turned this country upside down could have been blocked by Republican, Republicans in the Senate. And for, and for too long, the Republicans have gone along with it. So I, I want to go there to be one of the new fighters, a part of a new generation of conservative fighters in the Senate. That's what I'm uh, pledging to Hoosier voters as I kick off my campaign. I'm excited about the campaign ahead. Given um, Indiana and, and how it's so much of the backbone of the country, the Hoosiers and, 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 the, and the great folks out there, patriots and, and, and great Americans, hardworking Americans, Give me your perspective right now as you see the country and then particularly Indiana. What, what are the two or three biggest issues you think facing the nation and how does that inform uh, your thoughts about what faces Indiana and what you would do as their uh, as their representative in the Senate, sir? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've got to start with the drug epidemic. Steve. I mean, I, I, I come from a rural community, a small town. Uh, almost every family I talk to. In, in, my, uh, in my district has been affected in one way or another by the fentanyl epidemic. That's a direct result of the Biden administration opening the border wide open. Fentanyl now the leading cause of death of Americans my age. And I, I, I look at that issue in and of itself and what this administration has done to open the border, to change, to radically change America and the, the severe consequences that that's had, that, that's where we have to start. But also, immigration policies that put American workers first. I'm, I'm worried about going back to an era where, where Republicans folded and supported amnesty rather than block amnesty. And I'm, that's the type of commitment that I'm making to the voters. I will never vote for amnesty. I won't go back to a Republican party that 
advance the cause of amnesty. I will always vote for immigration policies that put American workers first. So that, that's, that's where we have to start. Uh, my, I, I'm the son of a factory worker. My dad made, made axles all of his life, um, a union man through and through, blue collar as they can come, working class, uh, uh, which is what most of Indiana reflects. And those are the values that I want to take to the United States Senate to, to fight for the working families of, of my great state who are counting on new and better leadership in the United States Senate to fight for them. When you talk about, you know, working class families and coming from a working class family, the one thing, uh, having come from a blue collar family too, you have to do is you have to live within your means. There's nobody there going to bail you out. How does this debt ceiling and, and, and just this mentality that we can have this, what I call fiscal domination, that you continue to vote for these trade over plus trillion dollar deficits that this is just financed by the federal federal reserve just prints the money and uh and we just increase the debt you got nine trade nine and a half trillion dollars in the balance sheet of the fed we got 30 almost 31 trillion on the or over 31 trillion on the balance sheet of the treasury then you've got another i think 30 trillion when you really count up social security and and, and medicare the real number you have to meet and you've got a hundred trillion dollars of unfunded liabilities which are contingent liabilities that some of them are not that contingent. What is your goal and objective? Because the, the Senate has been the worst in this huge fight we're going to have right now. It's the Senate and Mitch McConnell, these guys are going to put pressure on reaching some sort of compromise. So what, where did the folks and where the Hoosiers stand first in your mind about this issue? And where do you expect to exert leadership to get us out of this mess? Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at the the one point seven trillion dollar omnibus bill, and hardly a hardly a fight against it in the Senate. When when House Republicans were unified in voting against it and 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 trying to stop it in the House, uh, which we couldn't do because Democrats at the after the lame duck uh, after the election, they they passed out of the House, went to the Senate, and there wasn't much of a fight by Senate Republicans against it. And you can kind of see that on the horizon here again, Steve. The the debt limit fight, if, if Senate Republicans fold on this and try to convince us that voters are going to forget about it in a year and a half when we get to the next election, the, the presidential election, the next election, Republicans are going to pay a price for that because you're right. Hoosiers expect us to address the debt, ex, uh, address uh, uh, deficit spending and uh, cut wasteful spending. And uh, that's the type of senator that I'm going to be just like it's the type of representative I've been never voting for. A bloated spending. Republican Study Committee, the, the, the conservative caucus that I chaired, we were the only group in town that put out a budget, and it was a budget that balanced in seven years without touching entitlements that seniors rely on today. And uh, there are simple ways to do that. There are simple solutions, but we have to use the leverage of this debt limit, this upcoming debt limit fight to uh, advance balanced budgets and, and uh, spending reforms that can set us down that path. So I, I hope I hope Senate Republicans don't forsake us again. I hope they fight back hard uh, and use the, the 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 leverage that they have in the debt limit fight. I can I can guarantee you that's what the House Republican majority is going to do. The Republican Study Committee, you guys were also at the tip of the spear, and I think, quite frankly, the reason we even have this China uh, Select Committee is is because of your guys' work. You mentioned fentanyl. Uh, do you think there's enough focus in in, in the Senate right now? On really, uh, you got this concept that we're, they're a strategic competitor. I mean, you're a naval officer. They talk about a strategic competitor. I mean, w- they're at war with us. They're they're at uh, fifth generation war, unrestricted war. It hasn't it hasn't slipped to kinetic war yet. 
in the Straits of Taiwan or around Taiwan, but it's getting close. What, it, what as a senator, what would you do about the Chinese Communist Party in fentanyl in their in their you know the second opium war they're running against us, also in the confrontation that's clearly coming, sir? Yeah, we we just created the Select Committee on China in the House. We passed it. About half of the Democrats, by the way, voted against it, but it did get bipartisan support. So it's being set up uh, at the moment. That's what the Senate needs, too. It, the Senate, Steve, doesn't have the same focus on China as America's greatest threat, as the greatest existential threat to America's, to our way of life, uh, to us economically, to us militarily. Um, I don't see the same focus there. I see it from a few. I see, I hear Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton and J.D. Vance and a few others talking about it, but when I get to the Senate, I'm going to take that same type of intensity I brought to the House and with, a, with a focus on addressing the China threat and do everything that we can to position America in a better place to fight back against it. So set up a select committee in the Senate, have senators working with the select committee in the House to develop that whole of government approach. China has a civil military fusion approach in, in how they want to dominate the United States of America. Let's have the same type of focus in the Congress, across the House and the Senate to do the same thing to confront the biggest challenge that we face. So let's walk through this rollout. Where, how can people find out more about this? Are you doing events? Are you going to, right now, you're going to keep your seat in the House? Walk us through the, the mechanics of your campaign so people can find out more about it and, and get engaged. Yeah, we're kicking off the campaign today. I'm, I'm talking to Hoosiers all over the state about why I, I believe I'm, uh, the be I'm best positioned to be the conservative Senator from Indiana, uh, banksforsenate.com. You can go visit that. Uh, the, the establishment, as you, as you know, Steve, you could predict this. The, the moderates and the establishment, they're already trying to recruit a candidate against me. I'm the first in the race. I have a proven track record. I'm a part of the next generation of conservative leadership. They don't want me in the Senate. So go to banksforsenate.com. You can get involved. Help me out. I won't let you down. I'll go to the Senate and, and keep up the same fight and intensity in the Senate as a conservative fighter that I've, I've done in the House for the past six years. Well, I'm sure they're going to try to, uh, the establishment, I mean, that's the problem with the Senate today. So you're committed to the Hoosiers. You're committed to the folks in Indiana, that this, this fantastic state that's done so much for our country and really is emblematic throughout the world for Hoosier values. You're committed to say, hey, I'm going to be the same, the same conservative uh, the same uh, populist nationalist as I am in the House, you, you're going to get that in spades in the uh, in the Senate, correct? You, you got it. My my dad would uh, will hold me accountable to that every single day, Steve. As as part of that new working class coalition of of populist Republicans that are part of our party today, because of of what you've done, because of what Donald Trump did for the Republican Party and for our country, that's what Hoosiers are hungry for. They want a conservative fighter in the Senate. It's not about me. There are some. Some possible candidates who are talking about how they want to have a, 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 a voice in national politics. This isn't about me having a voice. This is about me giving Hoosiers a voice in the United States Senate to be their conservative fighter. And I take that personally every day. Congressman Banks, thank you uh, for joining us on the day that you kick off your run for the United States Senate from the great state of Indiana. Thank you very much, sir. Honored to have you on here. Thank you, Steve. Jim Banks, hat is in the ring to get in and shake up the United States Senate. My Lord, do we need to shake it up. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to be back in the war room in just a second. We will fight till they're all gone. We rejoice when there's no war. Let's take down. 
In Joe Biden's America, criminals are exalted and the police are condemned. Sad to say, but you need to be prepared and properly trained to defend yourself and to defend your family. Thankfully, there's iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket, you save a ton of money. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. iTarget will help you develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger function, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. All one word. This makes a great gift for Father's Day and is less expensive than a few hours at the range. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Offer code Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N. The new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now. Okay, welcome back. Uh, MyPillow.com promo code WARROOM. The uh, Giza Sheets as low as $29.99. Look, everybody in the audience needs a great night's sleep. You know why? You're the cutting edge. You're the tip of the spear. You're the cadre, okay? If we're going to turn this mess around, it has to be you. You have to be fully energized, and the only way you're going to do that is a great night's sleep. Sleep the sleep of the just. Sleep it on a Giza Dream Sheet twenty as low as $29.99, plus everything else. You just got to go to our square. MyPillow.com, promo code War Room. Action, action, action. Do it today. Um... The uh, the interview uh, with the audience, and remember, the live chat audience is among our most focused and hardest core. Um, some uh, are very enthusiastic. Some think need a lot more MAGA. Your your uh, your analysis, um, Steve Cortez. Well, listen, Steve, I'm always in favor of more MAGA. You know that. But I also do believe that Jim Banks is exactly the kind of fighter that we need in the United States Senate because that body is full of far too many squishes, many of them who have an R after that name. And I'm not just talking about the obvious ones like Mitch McConnell or Mitt Romney or Lisa Murkowski. I mean, for example, this omnibus disaster that we are suffering from right now and which will continue to inflict misery, economic misery on this country throughout this year, that was voted on by Tom Cotton. Okay, by somebody that we generally regard as an ally, by somebody who at least talks the talk of MAGA, of patriotic populism. But when the rubber hit the road, uh, what did he do? He voted with Joe Biden and with the establishment, both senators from the state of Arkansas, for that matter, which brings me back to Indiana and Jim Banks. Uh, Indiana is the is the literal and figurative heart of America. Uh, But like many red states where the Republican Party is dominant, Steve, The establishment is very powerful and largely dictated to from powerful corporate interests that are headquartered there. 
Uh, we see this certainly, for example, in the state of Georgia, where the Atlanta headquartered companies like Coke and Delta and UPS have enormous sway, inordinate power over the Republican Party. Same kind of phenomenon in the state of Indiana, largely Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical giant in Indianapolis. So the establishment there, uh, although it is Republican in name, uh, is not an alliance in, with our way of thinking and our ideology and our patriotic populist approach. But Jim Banks, thankfully, is very much of that worldview and very much of that fighter mindset. So I think he would be fantastic in the U.S. Senate. I'm also partial to him because my family on my mother's side, uh, the Irish immigrants came over and farmsteaded a farm in his district near Fort Wayne. So I think he is just a salt of the earth, incredible patriotic populist fighter. And by the way, let me say something about his likely opponent, Mitch Daniels, on the other hand. He's currently the uh, he's former governor, currently the president of Purdue University. He seems to be doing a reasonably good job uh, in that function as, as university president. But I think he has spent too much time at the faculty lounge at Purdue because he's absorbing some of their terrible ideas. He said recently, for example, that we should have a detente in the culture war, which of course to me is, is uh, the same thing as saying that we're going to surrender in the culture war. And here, by contrast, here's what Jim Banks said when he made his announcement, taking at least an implicit shot at Mitch Daniels. He said, I'll never be calling, this is a quote, I'll never be calling for a truce on social issues or cultural issues. So he is very much of the opposite mindset of Mitch Daniels. Mitch Daniels ought to stay at Purdue. That's where he belongs. We don't need another Mitt Romney, certainly not coming from the great state of Indiana in the U.S. Senate. This guy's worse worse than Mitt Romney. This guy was rolled out by the Bush apparatus. Remember, this guy was going to be president of the United States. They rolled in the National Review, George Will, all these guys. This was their candidate, right? And he lasted, I think, less than a week. Because there's some issues <laughs> we won't go in. It's a family show at 10.50 right. in the morning. It's a family show. We won't go into the issues. But he stayed He stayed in the race less than a week. The, if Mitch Daniels is the best they've got, the establishment to put up there, uh, it's, a, uh, it, it's a joke. But they're pushing, already pushing hard. He's sure. a globalist. He's, a, he's a, from the Bush junta. Uh, right. He was the OMB guy, supported everything Bush did. Uh, came, you know, all the all the warmongering, all the waste of the nine trillion dollars in uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. It wasn't all done on his watch, but a lot of it was done on his watch. Yeah. Never Thanks. piped up. Uh, it's a Steve. paper tie. This is this is what you get from the National Review and the the faculty lounge at the National Review. George right. Will, all the you know, all of your betters in conservative media. This is the, they're going to be pushing this guy big. A paper tiger is Mitch Daniels. Yeah. Not a chance uh, because and, and he, there's Steve. still so many. How do I say these personal issues, right? There's kind of unseemly that we can't mention in a, we can't talk about during a family show early in the morning. Uh, Steve Cortez. You know, Steve, we see this kind of gap between the legacy elected officials and a lot of the donors, frankly, and then regular voters in many of these red states. You certainly see it in Indiana. I was very involved in 2022 in Indiana politics, helping to elect Diego Morales to secretary of state at a position he now occupies. We knocked off an establishment incumbent Republican secretary of state, something that is damn near impossible to do. Uh, we did it. And at the state convention, rather than a primary for state office holders, they have um, a convention. I will tell you, at that convention being there, 
in the room, in the auditorium, it was really palpable the difference between the elected officials who were largely on the stage and then the delegates, the, the activists uh, who were in the crowd and on the convention floor. They were thoroughly MAGA, all of them War Room fans, by the way, all of them animated by patriotic populism, by the urgency of saving this country, uh, of changing things dramatically, not tinkering around the edges, anti-globalist, uh, proud Hoosiers, proud Americans. Uh, and then contrast that with this very corporatist Indianapolis set. Uh, it was fascinating to watch. Uh, thankfully, the rabble-rousers won, uh, used their electoral power to win that race for Diego Morales, who was, uh, who was uh, validated and endorsed by Jim Banks. And I believe that that same crew, that same movement, is now going to elevate Jim Banks in the Republican primary and put him in the U.S. Senate where we need him. Look, courage, you often say courage is contagious. It is in a lot of places. I think it will be in the U.S. Senate. I think there are a lot of senators there, people like Tom Cotton, who sort of want to agree with us, but need their backbone uh, to be strengthened. And they need it to be strengthened by colleagues like J.D. Vance, who we just sent there, who I think is going to do that and going to be that kind of fighter. And people like Jim Banks. I think well, that, Con, there's going yeah. to be strength in numbers Con, in the U.S. Con, Senate. Yeah. Agree. And, and Hawley's one of the leaders that uh, Cotton's got to drop the neocon. We need a 10 percent increase to the defensive budget. We don't need right. we don't need to be uh, the world's policeman. And we certainly don't need to be everywhere in the world looking for a looking for the next kinetic war and shoveling all that cash where Cotton's been 1000 percent wrong into right. Ukraine. OK, uh, Steve Cortez, real quickly, you're ahead of people get to you, sir. Yeah, please read my new article on Substack. I'm at Cortez Steve on the Twitter. Thank you, brother. 90 second break. The mayor, Rudy Giuliani, next. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700 thousand americans every year yes heart disease is the number one killer every year year in and year out heart disease builds over time hypertension high blood pressure bad cholesterol diabetes all of it affects our heart a healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older it is never too early to take care of your heart you see heart disease sneaks up on us you can start in your 30s and when this happens you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60 if you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash war room to install the Unplugged Suite. 
It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency.